Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. My name is Ann Hardy and I'm the Outreach Director for Desert Spring. It's my pleasure to be our podcast host for today. This is a roundtable podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our goal is to discuss our weekly Wednesday devotional with our guests in the hope of refreshing our spirits and learning more about the faith journey of our guests. The devotionals we discuss are related to Sunday sermon in some way. They could expand on the theme or have a point of view twist, but they're always going to be related to Sunday sermon. If you miss Sunday sermon and you want to check that out, go to Desert Springs website, desertspringchurch.com. It is my pleasure to welcome today's guests. We are joined by a dynamic mother and daughter duo, two of my favorite people. You know, I told Beth this. Um, she is hashtag mom goals for me. She, <laughs> <laughs> she has the, the most wonderful kids. I'm just so impressed. Um, I'm so glad you guys could be here. Um, this is the first podcast where we have two, uh, two guests visiting us uh, via Zoom. So the first is uh, Mother Beth Blackwood. Uh, Beth, can you say hi, please? Hello. Hello. And Ray Lathrop, who is daughter extraordinaire. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, Beth, why don't you give us a little bit of history um, uh, about yourself and your relationship with Desert Spring? To Las Vegas in on August 1st, 2008. Um I'd been, uh, we'd been in a Methodist church up in Sparks. And uh, when we moved to Las Vegas, I had several friends who gave me church recommendations. Um, one of them was Trinity, but we ended up in Summerlin. So the very first Sunday we came to Desert Spring and that was a month after Pastor Dave had started. So we've been there almost as long as he has. Mm-hmm. Um, being that we only lived a mile away from the church, I turned to Bob and I said, I, I think this is our church. We, we don't need to go church shopping or check anything else out. Um, it didn't take very long for us to get involved in uh, different activities. Um, Bob already had a passion for Family Promise and we had done that up in Sparks. So not long after we'd been there, we explored the opportunity of supporting Family Promise here in Las Vegas. Um, Sam was, our son was in Boy Scouts, so we got him involved in the troop and also right away got involved with the Emmaus community. Mm-hmm. And for a while you were the chrysalis leader, is that correct, with Emmaus? Yes, and uh, yes, I through Emmaus um, we got involved with um, chrysalis, which is the youth program for the Walk to Emmaus. Um, I met so many wonderful people mm-hmm. and we were able to host several flights with um, with different members of our community. Um, eventually, I started helping with the youth group um, and got involved with some of the youth activities and then eventually also with Nevadans for the Common Good. Um, when the liaison for the Boy Scout troop wanted to move on, I took over that relationship with the Boy Scout troop mm-hmm. um, and then just found myself uh, serving in a variety of different ways. Yes. Yeah. 
And you have three children, correct? I do. I have a daughter here in Las Vegas, and that's Ray. And she has a twin sister who lives in Minneapolis. And we have a son, Sam, who is in Denver, who actually at one point in time worked for your husband. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And and Alex has good Sam stories. He's got good memories of Sam. Oh, Sam always has good stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were, they were a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And Ray, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story with Desert Spring? Yeah. When mom and dad moved to Las Vegas, I was still in college and returned to Las Vegas for summers until I finished school. Um, And then when I was done with um, my grad school, I guess the end of 2009, I moved home, but it was here, uh, which was not a place I had permanently lived before. I helped my brother finish high school and I started working, um, lived with mom and dad for that first year and started immediately attending Desert Spring. I moved downtown in 2011 and continued to worship at either, I attended Griffith, University UMC, and always stayed connected with Desert Spring. finally decided after getting more involved in some of the Desert Spring work to just uh, attend there primarily, uh, which I think everyone would say is not as often as it should be, to be honest. (laughs) That's not what I think of when I think of you. I don't, well, now you see me all the time, right? So recent, after working with um, the different kind of Christmas committee for a couple of seasons. Um, got I got really excited about what the resource center was doing and how we had seeded that operation. And earlier this year, I decided to leave my professional job to take a break. And as I've said on the podcast before, it was good timing to work part-time for the resource center. And so now I've been involved in Desert Spring in a staff capacity, a part-time, but it brings me out to the church now on a very regular basis. I really do love the church. I love all the excitement and energy around the community work. I love that we're a part of Nevadans for the Common Good, where I actually serve on the strategy leadership team and hope to increase the participation of Desert Spring in Nevadans for the Common Good in the next year and connect it more to the work that we do at the Resource Center as we continue to grow the services that we offer there. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, Ray is the director of the mm-hmm. Desert Spring Community Resource Center and is uh, really uh, doing a great job uh, visioning um, for the Resource Center. And uh, you recently had a had a walk around the neighborhood talking to the neighbors and seeing what resources uh, would be helpful uh, to our to our neighbors. And um, um, can I tell you, we had wonderful conversations with our neighbors this last Saturday. We shared information about the Resource Center. We asked if there was other programs or services that we could offer that would serve our neighbors to just, I think we walked a little bit north of the church and a little bit east of the church. 
And by and large, the feedback we received was how grateful the neighbors were that we were serving a community need. We got really positive feedback that we're doing great work. Um, whether or not our neighbors are churchgoers or, um, or need to utilize the food pantry, they were honestly very encouraged that it was there and that it was serving a need. And many of our neighbors asked if they could donate or bring items, which is a wonderful uh, relationship to start with our neighborhood. So it, that was really exciting. And I hope to do some more of that in the future, too. That's great. That's great. And I know you have a new website, don't you? Can you give us the web address? Yeah, the Resource Center has its own website. It's Desert Spring Community Resource Center .org. That's a huge mouthful. You can also just go to dscrc.org. The landing page will tell you our cumulative metrics for how many meals we've served, people we've served, and pounds of food we've distributed. It's phenomenal work that our church has been able to do over the last two years. We've, we've distributed over 300,000 pounds mm, of food. Gosh. And we're growing. We just received some new funding to start a volunteer-led case management program. Really? And we'll be oh. recruiting. Yeah, we'll be recruiting church members to get trained on how to sit with our clients, help them navigate any of the challenges that they are individually facing, and hopefully provide referrals for additional services that might help bring them out of the food insecurity phase that they're in right now. Mm -hmm. And so we really hope to be able to sit with, build relationships with our clients, and help them um, get more services and tools for their families to thrive. Wow, that's very encouraging. Are you, do you have a approximate launch date for that? We hope to have training in December. If you oh, go to really our website, fast. yeah, if you go to our website, there's a drop down menu under programs and services called Network Table that gives a description of the program and a volunteer interest form. So that's already live if anyone's interested in finding out more information or putting your name on the list. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's let's jump into our devotional. Um, this is written by Pastor David. Our scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to also to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. 
Pastor David goes on and says, in today's scripture, St. Paul urged the church in Corinth to give generously to the mission of reaching more people for Christ. He recognized that giving is not easy. As an example, he pointed out some other churches who were struggling financially and still chose to give generously to the mission. The churches recognized that at one time they were beneficiaries of other people's giving, so they wanted to do for others what had been done for them, share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church in Corinth had not considered how much they had received, so they lagged in being generous. It's not surprising. The church in Corinth was a troubled church, one that Paul seemed to need to help often. His first letter to the church addressed seven problems the church was having. In his second letter, he addressed, among other things, giving. Later in chapter 8, he explained that he was not asking them to give to the point that they no longer had what they needed. They had more than they needed. He asked that they give out of their abundance so others would have what they needed. Through Paul's lengthy teaching on giving, he hoped the church in Corinth would understand that the Christian life is a life of self-giving. They had received the faith because others gave of themselves sacrificially. Now it was time for them to do the same. The mission of the church needed to continue. This hasn't changed. The mission of the church needs to continue. We look at all that is going on in this world, and we can see that now, as much as ever, the world needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Like the churches Paul served, Desert Spring is here because of the uncommon generosity of others. It is our turn to pass on what we received through our uncommon generosity. So let's take a moment to think about and talk about uncommon generosity. Um, Beth, why don't you kick us off? Have you ever been the recipient of uncommon generosity in another person? When I first read the question, I, I kind of interpreted it differently and, um, and was going to talk about uh, when we very first moved here, um, I reached out to Pastor Dave and asked him specifically uh, if there were people in the Emmaus community at Desert Spring. And he immediately put me in touch with Brandy Andrews. So, of course, I experienced abundant generosity <laughs> from right. Brandy. That's right. Uh, we connected, and I did start to talk to her about Chrysalis, and she immediately said, oh, oh, you need to talk to Sandy Johnson. Uh, so she gave me Sandy's phone number, and I just called her out of the blue, and... Um, we ended up having an hour and a half conversation and came away as new best friends. Um, and, and of course, you know, Sandy has become one of my dearest, closest friends. Um, through our friendship and during the time that we've known each other, she eventually went to um, School of Theology and, and became a pastor and now is assigned to a United Methodist Church down in Arizona. But the uncommon generosity comes from a time when Bob and I were struggling uh, financially uh, through a time when he had had he had been laid off and we went through a, he went through a couple of different job changes. And at the time, I was working for uh, the Cosmopolitan as their overnight supervisor for um, the hotel operators. 
which I meant, which meant I worked from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Mm. And um, through the winter, I would get off at five o'clock in the morning and drive home. And the heater in my car had stopped working. And it was freezing, freezing. cold. And we didn't have the $400 to get the heater fixed. And one night when we were meeting at Sandy's house, she just tucked $400 in my hand and said, I want you to get that heater fixed. And I said, I'll pay you back. And she says, no, I don't want you to pay me back. I want you to pay this forward to someone else when they need help. And so um, every time I turned on the heater in my car, I remembered Sandy's generosity. Oh, that's wonderful. What a great friend. Mm -hmm. We all need a Sandy. We all need Sandy. <laughs> we all need a Sandy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Ray, do you, does anything pop to your mind when you think about being the recipient of someone's uh, generosity? Yes. I, I don't know if this would be considered uncommon. And it seems sometimes like when I talk about my family, people are often very surprised by how close we are and how much we are involved in each other's lives. So for me, I receive, I mean, I receive generosity from my immediate family in a way that supports me every single day. And I, I often reflect on the generosity of my parents and my siblings as something that is um, so special. Um, throughout our whole lives, you know, our parents have done everything that they can to keep us safe and fed and happy and warm. And they've also allowed for us to try new things, experiment, and kind of, and especially make mistakes. I think that the generosity that my parents exude um, towards us and to our church and our community is something that is, is rather uncommon to be raised in a, in a space where every gift that they've ever had, they've wanted to share. And I think that that is what likely makes um, my mom and I and, and my dad, um, you know, a, a little bit more active in some of the things that we see in the church. Um, it, it's just a, a wonderful life to be able to share with others as, as much as we can. And um, you can laugh about how close my mom and I are. Uh, we talk every day, uh, mostly. I call her whenever I need something um, and she's always there to say yes. So for example, this last Saturday, after the neighborhood walk, I wanted to host a lunch for the volunteers at the resource center, but I had too many things on my plate. And I called mom on Tuesday and I said, look, you need to buy sandwiches. <laughs> look, mom. I need help. But I know that she's someone that I can call and she's someone that I can trust and she can bring sandwiches to lunch and be super happy to mix with the volunteers as well. And I'm just so appreciative that I have someone like that to rely on. Yeah. We all need a Beth. <laughs> Everyone needs a Beth. And I am always so sad to meet people that don't or can't or, um, you know, 
she's yeah. the best mom. And I feel like that's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Probably. great. Yeah. Very sweet. So the first thing that I thought of uh, when this came up was, um, was sending my kids to camp, Camp Potosi. Um, Desert Spring has a wonderful uh, uh, camp that we're affiliated with. Our, our conference um, is affiliated with uh, Potosi Pines Camp. It's about a half an hour away from uh, the church from Las Vegas. And um, it's a wonderful place to send your kids for summer camp. And when my kids started going, um, my husband is a retail manager and, you know, notoriously low salaries. I was a stay-at-home mother. So we were not, we didn't have a few hundred dollars to send each kid to camp. And it was so it was so wonderful that I was, I didn't even really have to ask. I was approached by the person who ran the scholarship program at the time and said, do you need help? This is how you go about it. There is no judgment. Just, just send your kids to camp. And it was, it was wonderful to get that kind of message unsolicited um, from, from this lady who was, uh, running it at the time. And, uh, since then it's just been important to me that, um, every time I'm asked, every time I get a letter from the, from the camp that I tuck some money in the envelope and, and send that off. And it's my pleasure to, um, give back. And that was always my goal, uh, when I accepted the scholarships for my kids, it was always my goal to send other kids to camp when I was able to do that. Um, so um, what was what was your response to uncommon generosity? I know, Beth, you said that you think of Sandy or at that time thought of Sandy every time you turned on that heater. And so um, and and her her specific uh, instruction was to pay it forward. Is there a is there a story attached to that? There's a wild story attached. <laughs> okay. Do you want to share the wild story? Okay. It's a little complicated, but I'll start off with what we at Emmaus call discipleship denied. I'm standing in line at Smith's. I have just a few things to get. There's a mom with three kids in front of me and a gigantic pile of food and she's having trouble checking out and i'm thinking oh no what is going on here it took her a long while to get through the line and then she put everything in the grocery cart and she had one of those little i'm going to call it a babushka basket you know just a little little wheelie basket and all this food milk meat all kinds of stuff. And I, and she heads off for the door and uh, I pay and get ready to leave. And there she is stuck at the door in front of me. And the security guard is saying, you can't take that cart. Um, she was living at the Siegel Suites quite a distance from the Smiths and, and thought she could just take the grocery cart and wheel her, her groceries home. 
So she was kind of trying to fit everything into mm. this little two wheel cart. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. And I start walking out and I'm just like, nope, nope, it's not going to work. So I turn around and I said, I think you better let me drive you home. Oh, wow. <laughs> she looked at me like I was out of my mind. Uh, and the security guard looked at me and looked at her and he says, yeah, you should let her drive you home. And he actually walked out to my car with us and helped me put all the groceries in the back of my car. And I strapped her three little kids in the back seat and drove her to the Seagull Suites, which is not far from where I live, but in the middle of the summer, just way too far for yeah. her to drive. Yeah. So we had a little chat on the way over there, and I asked her, you know, how she ended up here. She'd moved here. Somebody promised her a job. She didn't have a job. I said, well, what are you? what do you do? And she says, well, I'm a massage therapist. She says, but the license costs $400 wow. here in Las Vegas. And I'm like, wow. Gee, that number rings a bell. <laughs> that's weird. So I get her and her kids and all of her groceries home. I, I asked her name. I drove home. And over the next couple of days, she was just on my heart so hard, so hard that I called the Siegel Suites and said, I'm looking for a woman by the name of, and she, the front desk who knew who I meant. And so I wrote her a letter and took it over to the Siegel Suites and addressed it to her and her suite number and asked the front desk to give her the note. And a couple later, days later, she called me. And I told her in the letter, I was feeling called to pay her fee to get her license. And when she called, she said, you know, that that offer is very, very generous. But what I really need is that much in rent to keep me and my kids in a, in a place to live for the next 10 days until my support money comes through. So I went over to the Siegel Suites and met her at the reception desk and I paid her rent for the next two weeks. And then we sat down and we talked and I learned a little bit more about her situation and we stayed in touch for a while. But I always felt like that was my opportunity to pay that $400 forward that Sandy had given me wow. so many years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And hopefully... You know, when that woman is on her feet and, and has her license and so forth, she'll think of you and pay it forward. And That's the prayer. Yeah. 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 How did you respond, Ray? How do you respond to the, your generous family? What's, what's, what does that look like for you? I think that the entire path of my life is pretty much a response. I... Um, was able to explore so many different opportunities when I was growing up in high school and through college to try to to try on different things that felt like um, what I wanted for my future. And the only thing that I really knew was that I absolutely had to do something for the common good, for the better, to better the community around me. Originally, I thought I would go into public policy or some way of improving the community around me, but I have been an avid volunteer on so many different uh, 
nonprofits, charity work, and throughout the church, I really do feel like that is my purpose, is that I need to give back as much as I have received. Um, and so, you know, I've been a neighborhood leader for the last couple of years, trying to make sure my neighborhood is all kind of talking and communicating and support each other. I've started nonprofits before. I've worked in nonprofits. I've worked in government only because I feel like my real drive is to try to give back and give other people a chance um, to thrive as much as I have been able mm. to. Yeah. And the first time I met you was actually years ago. You were still in college. Um, we were, you were volunteering at Vacation Bible School. Oh yeah, here for the here for, at Desert Spring, and we were running the uh, ice the uh, snow cone booth. We we mm. <laughs> we had snow cones that it was fun to give the give the kids, and I was impressed with you then, and I'm still impressed with you now. And I remember coming back for summers and accidentally getting involved in the accidentally fourth of july parade float i don't know how that happened i don't really get along with kids and i still was at the vacation bible school if there was something that needed to happen mom and i even stepped in in the summers to do sunday school um you know whatever is needed if someone asks me for my time um or for anything that i can provide i tend to say yes mm -hmm. which sometimes is a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, which leads us to our next our next subject. Sometimes people are generous with their time, sometimes mm -hmm. with their abilities, and then, of course, with their resources. So what's what's easiest for you? Is it to be generous with your time, your ability or or your resources? Um, do you have a story about being generous? I tend to volunteer, but I also do give financially to a lot of different efforts, mostly if I'm personally connected to them, if I know um, what the need is and feel like my contribution can be substantial. Um, but, you know, sometimes just I can move boxes, I can put things together or um, what I'm doing now at the resource center which yes, is a, is a paid position, but um, I'm working a lot more than I thought I would, is you know, lending my expertise when it comes to organizational development and leadership in a way to kind of make, a, make an organization and nonprofit sustainable. So I like taking a lot of my, what are more spiritual gifts and professional strengths and um, really help build the long-term viability of organizations that's what I'm doing with Nevadans for the Common Good now too. I help recruit other members. I help teach a lot about what we're doing and I inform some of the strategy of our work going forward, but it's all a volunteer role because I find that the work that we do is deeply meaningful and um, very structural, um, important, positive changes in our community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Beth, um, how, how do you, um, what are the ways you try to be generous time or abilities or resources or what's your favorite? I have taken the spiritual gifts class several times, usually over with five-year breaks. And uh, my spiritual gifts have changed 
except for my number one, which is always administration. Uh-huh. And so I find it very easy to use the gift of administration in kind of organizing and making sure that the details are uh, are taken care of. Um, with Family Promise for years, as we hosted families at the church, it was Bob that really stood in the lobby and recruited for food donations and overnight hosts. And and I would just take over the responsibility of coordinating dinners so that we didn't have seven nights of spaghetti in a roll. But that has changed so dramatically after COVID with no longer hosting at the church. Our, our new, you know, as our new role is more of a individual family support and doing grocery shopping for families. I've kind of taken over that because administratively, that's just a lot of organization and emails and and making sure that we, you know, are are meeting the needs of the families. But at the same time, that means I need to reach out and establish a rapport with the families, help them understand what our, how, how this is going to work, make sure that they build trust in us, that they will trust us with the list of the things that they need. But I also love to be hands-on and, um, you know, help with my time. Um, You know, last year, Julie and I coordinated the giving tree. That's a biggie. Um, I coordinated uh, 15 volunteers to go to the Family Promise Gala down at the... Paris Hotel, um, and we put on a Christmas party for 150 mm-hmm. Family Promise kids and their and their families. I mean, it, you know, so administratively and time wise, I I love to give both equally, um, and I feel very very blessed that we are now in a position where we can help um, with monetary gifts too. Um, I tend to oh, I tend to focus my giving on things that are sponsored by the church. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when there is a situation where there needs to be um, support given, uh, rather than reach out to the Red Cross or some other organization, I would much rather give to UMCOR and know that my money is going 100% uh, to boots on the ground and and to help in that way or you know as there are different needs that are brought up at our church bob and i are very fortunate to Mm -hmm. be able to make a donation to help that situation Mm -hmm. too yeah i've been the fortunate recipient of people's abilities Uh, when i look back on my on my spiritual life um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the Alpha Course or Nikki Gumbel, um, but it's a basic um, Christianity course that I went through when I was first learning about Christianity. And, um, and it was just, what a phenomenal calling. Um, so I just thank God for Nikki Gumbel. Um, and, and I was really um, led to pray um, and give my life to Christ by a televangelist when I was 10 years old. So, and I don't even know who that was. So people's abilities have really touched my spiritual life. Um, and, and I find that, um, 
the easiest way for me to give as well. Um, I give of my abilities. Um, they're, they're not, (laughs) they're not super well-developed, but I, I like to try if I can, uh, to do, to do what I can. Um, so that, that seems to be carried through, uh, in my, in my spiritual life as well. Can I add, you know, the, the, the devotion talked about giving an abundance and, and yet, you know, making sure you don't overgive and just being careful, but also giving as much as you can. Um, at the resource center, uh, when we do the Saturday mobile distribution events, we have some of the clients who are waiting in their cars get out and help us set up that event. We see the people that come to utilize our pantry continually offer to engage or commit and help in other ways too. I am constantly reminded about how much I have uh, when I see those that are asking for help also offer at exactly the same time. Mm, wow. It's a really wonderful thing to witness and to be a part of. And um, it's it's really amazing how much generosity can come from people who find themselves in deep need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a way to, to uh, giving of yourself is a way to not only recognize your the generosity that's been bestowed on you, but it's also a way of coming, getting out of your own head, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I can give back or if I can help someone else, um, that kind of uh, can alter my own mindset enough to where I'm focusing on someone else instead of my own, you know, food insecurity or whatever happens to be the issue at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you consider Desert Spring to be more like the Macedonia churches or more like the church in Corinth? Um, if you think like we, that we are like the Macedonia churches, um, which were very generous, um, and joyful in their generosity, can you give us an example of that? If you believe that we're more like the church in Corinth, can you give examples of times where we might have missed an opportunity to give? Having been in the different kind of Christmas committee for the last several years, there is no question to me that Desert Spring is a Macedonia-type church. The generosity of our church is like enormous and multifaceted. So when we look for a project to support for different kind of Christmas, we're not just establishing a financial contribution to an organization, but we were, we're always also looking at the opportunities for our church to become engaged in that project or that organization, or have at least a continued relationship with that ministry um, or project that we support. Mm-hmm. So when we selected uh, three square, for example, or, um, when we selected spread, spread the word Nevada, for example, that, uh, different kind of Christmas gift was only one part of the generosity of our church. There are members of our church that have continued since those gifts to volunteer with those organizations to establish 
other ways to support those organizations. And it has really opened, I think, my eyes into how many different ways that our church can be involved in the, in the community and um, how generosity really can show up for a long, long time after a financial contribution. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really a wonder to watch. And we now, as a church, have a reputation of generosity. The Family Promise Group, you know, we were able to support them over years in um, directly with the families, but they do know that they can ask mom and they do for anything else that they may need. And that is always met. Um, it's, it's really amazing. I actually was at three square recently and was talking to the acting CEO. And when I said, you know, right now I'm working with desert spring, we're standing up this resource center. We are a pantry. And she goes, Oh, I know that church. And it's like, of course you do. Because five years ago we gave you a big donation and we have continued to show up any time that they've needed. And that just feels like really exactly what the church is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Beth? Are we a Macedonian church or a little bit of Corinth thrown in there? What's going on? So many experiences with being a Macedonia church. So, so many. And I mean, raise right. I mean, the family promise people will call me and say, our permanent bridge apartment needs a new vacuum cleaner. And I'm like, okay. So I send out an email to my list and I get two vacuum cleaners. Um, We transition to individual family support with grocery shopping every week. And I get a list from that family and I send it out to my shoppers and Bob and I show up on Thursday afternoon and Every single thing that we put on the list is sitting on those tables or in the refrigerator or in the freezer. Um, and, and and when when members of the church like move or have to relocate, and they, if they know that we have this family promise program and they know how to get in touch with mom, they're handing her all sorts of household items and appliances. Her garage at any moment in time (laughs) has like a goodwill sized amount of stuff so that families, when they finally get a permanent house, um, have as much household items as they can. Right. Um, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have, I have a whole kitchen in my garage right now ready for the next family that graduates. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, people in the, in our, in our congregation will just reach out and say, Hey, I've got an extra this, or I've got an extra that. And you know, the next thing I know, I've got more donations than I know what to do with. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, awesome. If anyone listening to this podcast doesn't know, you can email Beth at blackwood at yahoo.com to get on her list and be a part of the wonderful work that they're doing with the Family Promise Group. Mm -hmm. I want everyone to know that there's this awesome opportunity to get directly involved in supporting families who are transitioning from homelessness to permanent housing. And mom is the point of contact. She does amazing work and she can always use more people on that email list. Right. 
And and I'm on the email list as well. And it's not just food. There's, no. you know, this one needs a sweater. This one needs a backpack. This one, you know, it's not just, it's most, mostly food. It's, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot it's a lot of times things that aren't covered by other benefits right snap benefits you can't you can't use snap benefits to get a car seat or a porta potty or baby clothes or or diapers i mean there's diapers? a lot of times you can't the need, <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy um you know you can so you know this our group steps up and provides those things that mm-hmm. they can't get with with other welfare Mm-hmm. benefits mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and, and this question for me it, it, the easiest question of the bunch because desert spring is such a macedonia church that i can't i can't even think of an example of being a corinth church because it's just in our dna we give we give joyfully we give of our resources we give of our time we give of our abilities um and it's it warms my heart, Beth, that you can go to Family Promise and know my church will fill this need. It's not a, oh, will they? Oh, maybe they won't. I hate to take this on. I hate to tell them we can. But you know they will. You know this church yeah. is going to come through for you. It's, it's, a, it, it's a Macedonia church. It's in our DNA. It's kind of who we are. Um, yeah. It's amazing uh, whenever someone has a need. You know, as a matter of fact, I just thought of this. I used to be the preschool teacher here at years and years ago before I was on staff. And the preschool room had nothing. It was terrible. And I went to a local toy store like I was a new mom and made a wish list. And, you know, it was like, okay, I want all of this stuff for the preschool. And I'll tell you what, every single one of those things, including the expensive dollhouse, <laughs> got donated. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to donate this dollhouse. Click. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's been my experience for sure. So Pastor David goes on, with the financial help of our annual conference, Desert Spring was started in 1991. Since then, many people have given sacrificially to help this church become the wonderful church it is. Recognizing the generosity of others leads me to give thanks. What is it about Desert Spring that leads you to want to give thanks? Give thanks to God. So God bless you, and I hope to see you soon, Pastor Dave. That's a it's a great topic. Um, it's it's one that um, is timely for the church as we're in our stewardship campaign. But it's also good to remember generosity and the being the recipient um, of other people's generosity um, in our daily life and and bringing you know talking about that and bringing it forward. So I appreciate um, our guests, Beth Blackwood and Ray Lathrop. Um, I appreciate your time and your abilities and your generosity. Um, it certainly is uncommon generosity to be a podcast guest. Uh, so I, uh, I appreciate you uh, taking your time and joining us today. Um, I thank our listeners 
um, and hope that this podcast has uh, sparked some wonderful memories for you and maybe um, given you some ideas about generosity and ways that uh, you can be generous. Um, not only uh, Family Promise and the Resource Center, but in other ways as well. Um, Our audio podcast is available to you through SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, If you'd like to see the text in devotional form, along with the links to everything else, uh, go to our website, desertspringchurch.com. Why don't we close in prayer, please? Generous God, Thank you for, for Beth. Thank you for Ray. Thank you for Chris, our technical director, who's helping with the uh, technical side of this podcast. I appreciate these people and their investment into this topic. I ask for your blessings upon our listeners, and thank you for them. Thank you for their time. Please, um, please bless these words um, in this podcast as it goes out, and may people find meaning and joy in it. In Jesus' name, amen.